episode 70 on the nine point starts a dream podcast welcome to nine point started with a dream podcast our goal is to showcase the stories of athletes and the community that supports them by being authentic about their journey here's your host jacoby gillum yo welcome back to the podcast i'm your host as always jacoby gillum this episode we have brandon boogie hill professional basketball player and brandon's journey is one about never never giving up you know, he's been through a lot of tragedies and a lot of situations that most people might not stand back up from. You know, but Brandon's a different beast. He, he knows that his journey is bigger than him. You know, he wants to inspire other athletes along the way. He wants to inspire his family. He wants to be, you know, he wants to make an impact. So I hope you enjoy the episode with him and just... Realize in your own life, man, that you can always stand back up, even when life hits you harder than you, than you thought than you thought coming. You know, just to keep bouncing back and keep standing up. So, hope you enjoy Brandon's journey, and let's get to it. So, Brandon, the question that everyone comes on is: um, When you're younger as an athlete, what one of your biggest dreams and goals that you want to achieve? Actually, at first, I wanted to be a boxer because okay. my, my my uncle and my godfather were boxers, so I wanted to be a boxer. I'm like, if I can be a boxer. Knock people out, win a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'll be, I'll be somebody. But then my older brother, before he passed away, was a basketball player. He was actually really good. He was um, one of the top players in New York State at age 12, and he had a lot of, lot of people that was already looking for him. And then he got killed when he was 15. Oh wow! And so he was one of the main reasons that I wanted to play basketball. So I started, I shifted from boxing to basketball when I was 12 and really started taking it serious. My godfather used to train with me. He introduced me to one of his friends that he knew from childhood. That was a big time trainer in New York City. So I used to work with him. Once I started getting to a point where I felt like I was playing well, like I didn't really listen too much when other people told me I was doing this good and that good. If I didn't feel like I was, then I never felt like it was enough. So I was in the gym, I'm a gym rat. I'm in there every day. No, I stopped. So once I started to feel like, you know, all right, I'm, I'm pretty good at this thing, then that's when the, the you know the floodgates really started to open for me. I so, just kept going from there. So man, so so you started out wanting to be a boxer. So you grew up in what in in New York, in yeah, Queens. Yes. So, so who was like your idol growing up? Like with with boxing. Well, boxing, it was actually Mike Tyson. Hey, all right, I respect it was that. Definitely Mike Tyson. Um, Don't even though I knew I was a smaller. Well, a smaller frame guy, just watching how he moved and how he would set people up and then give him one shot, hit him real quick, get him out of there. I was like, yeah, so if I could do that, win championships and make a lot of money, then that's it. Mm-hmm. Once I, you know, down the years, even though I don't box anymore, I still watch it. I have a boxer fan. Somebody like Floyd, Floyd Jones. Um, even now... He can't really box, but I respect what he does. Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder can't box to save his life. But he does enough the power that he can knock your head right off your body. So it's like you still got to respect what he brings to the table, mm-hmm. which I think is even more interesting than somebody who's really tactical. Because a tactical person, you have to be on your toes all the time. But it's like if they don't have that type of punching power, you can take a couple punches to try to figure out which ways to beat them. With somebody like Deontay, 
It's like, no, you on your toes the whole fight because even if it looks awkward and he may not land any other punch, if he land one, it might knock you out for good. So it's, it's definitely a tricky situation. But, definitely. you know, Mike, Mike Tyson was literally the first guy that I was like, yeah, if I can be like that guy, man. And Mike's mentality, too, was just a different, a different level. Yeah. He, yeah. he was coming in there to get you. And if you wasn't prepared for that, you was getting your head knocked off. And most of the people wasn't ready for that. Got their head punched off their body. So, yeah. So, so for you, you said like that switch came to basketball once your brother passed away. So for you, was was it almost like I don't know, like you kind of wanted to be a legacy of his memory? Mm-hmm. Like he was, he was my, he was my really my idol. You know what I'm saying? Everything that my brother did, I did. I wanted to be just like him. You know, I paid attention to everything that he did. So once. That happened. I was like, you know what? My brother was great at basketball, so hopefully I can do the same thing because I know that that's what he would have wanted me to do anyway. And I was already starting to kind of lean towards basketball because the the bigger he was getting, the more people were showing up. He would always take me. He took me with him everywhere. When he went to the park to work out, when he was in the gym working out, I used to sit in there practices when he was in high school. So it was it was that type of thing. I watched everything that he did. So he's like, you know what? I want to do that too because if he did it. I know he would have wanted me to do it, so I might as well carry it on. And it actually turned out well for me, so I'm glad I made that decision. We're just getting started, but I kind of feel like he's almost like a guardian angel in a sense with this, with this journey, probably, right? You know, because I know like yeah, you've been through a lot, a lot of different things through your basketball career, and I feel like you keep going. And I, yeah. that's, I can't wait to like, learn more about this. So when did you kind of realize that that point that, all right, I can go further with this game than, than just you know, New York with it? I would have to say my first year in junior college because the only reason I went JUCO was because my grades were terrible because I was so, there was so many things happening in my junior, senior year in high school that my mom wasn't on school. It was, you know, my mother had had an aneurysm when I was a junior. So, you know, I was stressed about her having to get that surgery. Then once she actually made it through the surgery, trying to get her life back, in order because you know coming back from that most people don't even make it out of that surgery mm-hmm. but when you make it back there's so many things you got to relearn that it's like ah this is a whole lot you know what i'm saying so trying to take care of her because i was the oldest son at the time now so my father wasn't around it's me and my little brother now so i basically had to take over everything as far like i would go to school go to practice come home and have to take care of my mother for the rest of the night and, you know, my grandmother was sick also. So it's, you couldn't even have my grandmother come or somebody from the family come because everybody was trying to do their own thing. So it was it was definitely mentally taxing. So so you were like, you were pretty much literally the man of the house at the yeah. age of like what, near, like, like what, 16, 17? Six, yep, 16 to 17. So with that, you know, so I'm, I know there, there are a lot, of, a lot of young athletes that are in that boat. So... What helped you just stay the course, you know, to, to, to stay out of trouble, to stay out of, you know, like selling drugs, whatever it may be? What, what helped you kind of stay the course to say, I'm going to make it out? First, it was thinking about my mother. The reason my brother got killed was because of that, because that's something that he was doing that she didn't know about. I mean, I knew about it. My other brother knew about it. My uncle knew about it. But, you know, that was something that, my family did that once my brother got killed, it was like, all right, we're going to have to reel this in. But trying to stay away from that stuff 
to focus on the goal of being a professional, making it to the highest level, knowing that my mother wouldn't want that energy around us with everything that happened with my brother. It was kind of like, to me, it was an easy decision. Like as much as there are perks to that, that people see, there's also the other side to it that you got to worry about looking over your shoulder every 10 seconds because there's somebody else that's trying to do the same thing you're doing that's trying to take you out if they don't like what you're doing on your side. All of that stuff is energy that we didn't need around the family at that point in time. And then my little brother, who is seven years younger than me, my little brother was coming into his own. He's a football player. He loved football. He loved football. And I tried to keep him away from that stuff too because, God forbid, he would have got involved in that and if something happened to him, I know that would have crushed my mother. Anything happened to me and him involving drugs, that would have crushed my mother. It would have took all of the motivation she had left to kind of get herself back together because she, she really had to motivate herself to be like, I'm going to try to get back right because that anger took a lot from her. I got, I got these boys right here that are, you know, that I'm their mom and I want to see them achieve their dreams. So she was like, she was living for, living for y'all. Yeah, definitely. Because it, it took a lot for her to kind of climb out of that. And she's, she's inspiring to me because she's accomplished so many things since she's come back from that. Like before she had the anger, my mother never went to college. Because she had me at 23, had my middle brother at 20, and my oldest brother at 18. So, you know, we all have the same father. My younger brother has a different father. So my pops basically took all of that college stuff right out of there for her. Like, she had no chance to do it. He was in the military, so she joined the military. She had us, had to get out of the military. And then once she got pregnant with me, he left. So she had to find a job to take care of all of us. And she was she was on the ground, so she never had time for school. But once she got healthy, she ended up going to uh, the University of Richmond in Virginia and getting her degree there. So the fact that she was able to go get a degree, I thought was amazing. Because Shut there was a point in time that she couldn't even, she couldn't even remember what her name was. Like mm. that's, that's how crazy things were. We had to like, show her photographs of her as a child and all of it. Like, she didn't remember anything. It was tough, man. She didn't know my name. She just saw me all the time. So she, when I would come to the hospital and she would wake up and see me, she knew I was somebody that had to be important because I was always there. But, mm -hmm. like, she had to relearn my name, all of this stuff. Like, it, it was a lot. But I can relate. Because my, my grandpa had had some similar last, last summer. And and like I flew, I flew in from being to Dallas, and he was like, he was like, yeah, that's my brother. I was like, no, man, I'm I'm your grandson. And you like, start thinking like, dang, we got all these memories together, and you can't remember not not one of them right now. Yeah, yeah, that's it's definitely a, a tough situation. But you know, I know I know that all the strength that we have, we got it from her because, like I said, we've all been through crazy things. Like I've been shot twice. My little brother's been shot twice. Before my older brother actually got killed, he had been shot three times. So it's like, you, all of that stuff has been around, but somehow or another, we always make it out. Like, I feel like we got somebody, the big man upstairs is watching over my family, man, because Yo, he been definitely shot. has, has you kept been shot, us. You shot twice? Yeah, I got shot when I was, so the same day that my um, my brother was killed, mm -hmm. definitely took the headphones out on accident. I don't worry. But the day that my older brother was killed, that was the same day that I got shot, standing right there. But we were at a pizza shop, and uh, it's a one, it was a one-way-in, one-way-out type of situation. 
and an emergency exit to the right side. So if you can imagine, you're facing a, the pizza guy in front of me and the emergency exit was this way and I was standing on that side and my brothers were on the other side. So it was a drive-by shooting. And um, they came and they started shooting on my side and was driving in the direction where my brothers was. So for them to have to get out of there, they would have had to run through the bullets. So essentially, you know, one way in, one way out. There's nowhere for them to go. And that's kind of how it happened. But that day is when I got shot the first time. The second time I got shot was a uh, straight bullet. I was 15. Damn, I, was in the, I was in the park. And just they, these guys came through because I was in Mount Vernon at the time. And, you know, Mount Vernon, New York is very, very, very tricky place to be in. It's a lot of crazy stuff happening there. So, you know, we was just in a park playing pickup games and these guys came through and shot up the whole park and I got hit. I didn't even realize it until I looked down and my sock was covered in blood and then everybody was like, yo, you got shot. I was like, oh, I got shot. And then once everybody said it, all of that pain hit, you. <laughs> hit me at the same time. And it was, oh, that pain was bad, man. My body was hurting. But those type of things happen. I, I, I see him. I feel blessed that that stuff happened to me when it did because during that point in time, I was really about to start doing all the silly stuff that I said upstairs that I wasn't going to do and I didn't want to get involved in. I almost found myself in it at that point in time. Because, so, because it was for you, it was almost, it was like all you, it wasn't, it wasn't all you knew, but it was like the easiest yeah. thing at the time, right? Yeah, like, you know, my mother was struggling because she was trying to work my, there was a point in time my mother would work 16 hours a day. Like she would literally wake up at 4.30, be at work at 6. We wouldn't see her again until 10 o'clock at night. She would come home. Well, actually, no, she would get off at 10 o'clock and then come home at like 10.45, go to sleep, wake back up, do it all over again. This was six times a week. Man. And I used to tell her like, Ma, I don't know how... Like, I really truly don't know how she did it. I have no idea to this day how she was able to do that, but it's like, wow. Like you did this Monday to Saturday. And then Sunday, she would still wake up and go to church, come back home, and then try to get as much rest as she could to do it all over oh, again right after that. So it was like, in my mind, I'm like, I gotta figure out a way to lighten up the load. So I'm like, if I do this, you know, my brother used to do this and he would make all this crazy money and then try to slip it into the mailbox or something and act like we was getting it from the neighbor. Cause we had this old guy that lived next door as our neighbor. He was a retired um, army vet. So he used to get these big crazy pension checks and then would, um, would like give some to the, to the neighbors. Like, hey, you know, I got all this money. I don't got no family. So I want to give it to somebody. I can't take it with me. So he used to give my mother like, you know, $200 or something like that every time he got a check. So what happened was is my brother would add money to that. Every time he gets something, he would add money to that. And my mother wouldn't go over there and, hey, thank you for the $200 you gave. She'd be like, thank you. And then mm -hmm. kind of leave it at that. So I'm like, you know what? Maybe if I do that too, instead of her doing it six days, she'll do it four days. So I started thinking like that. And then the whole getting shot thing happened. And it was like, all right, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I just need to, stay away from this because and you basketball as the way out instead of yeah. the other side yeah. so you so you say juco you know you're out there in juco and this is this is like your opportunity to really to 
to make a step closer to getting that way out. Yeah. How did that journey look for you for the game? Well, the game. I went the my first Juco I went to is in the middle of nowhere. It's in the city, it's about this big in West Virginia. So the school was supposed to be the junior college for West Virginia University. So me, I'm like, look, I was getting big easy looks in high school. This is a good opportunity right here. I'm gonna go here, it's in the middle of nowhere. It ain't no, nothing in that city but the school, two gas stations, two grocery stores, one movie theater. That's it. It was nothing else. No, 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 no regular store. And they had a I think it was the worst. I want to say the next city was an hour away. Morgantown was like two and a half hours away. So it's like, all right, I'm in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing, literally nothing that I could do here that could get me in trouble besides maybe dating a girl I'm not supposed to date or something. Like, that's it. <laughs> so I go there. We finished the season 23 and 9. We made it to the region, the region 10 of championship. We lost to Allegheny College. And then after that, the season was over. I go into the office with my coach, and he's talking about, all right, so I'm gonna make a highlight tape for you. Granted, I was an All-American. So I'm thinking, like, all right, this conversation is about to be great. I go in there, he's like, so what schools you want me to reach out to? I said, I'm like, West Virginia. That's top of the list. Then after that, it was a couple schools in New York, LIU, Brooklyn, St. Francis. I was like, if I'm going to go, I could go back home. I'd rather that than anywhere else besides West Virginia. So when I said that, he's like, oh, well, you know, we only really connected with, you know, D2, so I don't want to reach out to nobody higher than that. And I'm like, why? Just because you're usually connected to D2s, just send an email with the highlight. It's the worst <laughs> that can happen. Worst that can happen is uh, – because uh, Bob Huggins was the coach at the time. So I'm like, Coach Huggins, call me up. Tell me come up there. I'll go work out. I'll get the scholarship myself. All I need is the introduction, man. He's like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. So that bothered a lot. He was talking about not giving me the full scholarship to come back the next year. He was like, oh, well, I'm going to give you half because we're trying to bring in more players so we can give everybody halves. What? So then I, I, then I really felt the way because I'm like, man, the only reason I came to West Virginia is because y'all offered me a full ride. Like, my family's not in a situation where we taking out Sally Mae loans and all of that. So I, I, I wasn't trying to do that. So I ended up going back home to ASA College. Went to ASA. Had a great year. But same situation. Made it to the championship in the region. Lost. And, and it, was, it, was, it was a devastating loss. Buzzer beat. In that loss, same game is when I broke my foot. That was the only major injury I had so far. I broke my foot. So I was going up for a layup. Crunch time. Six minutes left in the game. We was on a run. I'm going down the middle for a layup. The guy undercuts me. So I mm -hmm. flipped over him, do a full flip where I could have landed back on my feet. When I flipped over, another guy's foot was right there. Whole foot went to the side, tore that thing to pieces. So I was out. So we lose. Season's over. I had to get surgery. All that was cool. I rehabbed all summer. Then in the fall, I didn't even have the opportunities that I wanted, I had some schools that reached out, but I didn't want to go to any of them. So in my mind, I'm like, I'm not even 100% healthy anyway, so I don't want to sign nothing. I don't want to do nothing with nobody right now. So this guy calls me. He's a Seton Hall alumni, and one of my friends at the time was actually playing on Seton Hall. His name is Jordan Theodore. He's playing on Seton. So he's like, look, I remember seeing you and Jordan play together for the players in AAU. 
And I was like, y'all two guys are going to be something special on that team. So what you been doing? Because I heard that you got hurt. I was like, well, I haven't signed anything yet because I don't know where I want to go to school at. I didn't get any offers that I wanted to get. And I'm still trying to rehab. He was like, how much time you got left? And I'm like, according to the doc, he said three months. I should be 100%. He's like, so you ever think about just going pro right now? And when he said that, it caught me. It caught me. I was like, going pro right now? I just played two years in Juco. What are you talking about going pro? He's like, nah, man, you can go overseas right now. I didn't really know too much about overseas at the time. I knew some people that went there, but I didn't know, like, how much they was making and all of that type of stuff. So I'm like, is it really like that? Like, is it really worth me doing that? He was like, is it worth it? And he showed me a contract that he had just got. He got he got the guy like 200 grand for a season. I was like, 200,000? <laughs> so you can get me something like that? He was like, it ain't going to be 200K because you're a rookie. But I can guarantee you I'll at least get you 60 to 70 grand. 60 to 70 grand to me at 18 was a lot of money. Mm-hmm. 16 to 17 at 19. It was still a lot of money. So I'm like, look, man, what what, what you need? You need me to sign something right now? So he didn't even make me sign a, a player agent contract with him. He just told me that once he connected me with the team, he'll have the team pay him. So he he got me a deal with this team in the Middle East in, in um, Abu Dhabi called Sharaf. And I went there and had, went crazy my first year. Went absolutely crazy. But the problem was that they didn't have the reputation that other countries had because really they just paid people with a big name, but all the locals are bad. So if you come over there, of course you're supposed to average 30 because mm-hmm. unless you're playing on a team with another import that's the same position as you, you're going to kill all the locals. So it's like once that season was over and it was time to you know do other things with other teams, it was like, oh, well, yeah, you went crazy, but... I'm looking at this guy that you're playing against, and we wouldn't bring him here either, so we can't really hold weight to that. So I had to literally take a small time, go from making that type of money to coming all the way back down a small-time deal to go to South America, hoping that because there's more competition in South America that I can use that to pump up my resume to go back to Europe. And I was able to do that, but being an overseas player is very, very tough because... Everything is about perception of where you're going after the place you played. You have to play so well and look so good in so many different ways, hoping that your next deal is going to be able to be built off of how you did and where you played at. Because if you didn't play somewhere that other countries respect, they're not going to bring you there. They're just going to find somebody else that, oh, this guy, in real Russia, this guy played in Germany, that competition level is similar to ours, so we're going to pick that guy over this other guy who played in Mexico and went crazy, but it's Mexico. We don't think anybody over there can play in this league. So that's that's where most of the issues that I've had have come from. The politics. Where I've been. Absolutely. That's, Absolutely. That's interesting. So you got the so for you. I remember earlier you saying you wanted to, to go pro because it's like, I want the money, you know? Like, I want to be able to help family back home. So when you got, when you got to take that money, how did it feel to be like, all right, I can help out a little bit now. And then doing a way where it's not hindering my, my, my life. Yeah, actually it was, it was a great feeling. The one thing I will say that I regret about it is that I was so gun ho on trying to help everybody mm-hmm. that I ended up coming back and doing too much help. 
I almost put myself in a situation where I was essentially hindering my family from doing their own stuff because everybody was like, oh, well, you know, we don't got to do nothing anymore because we know that Brandon is going to take care of everything. So everybody became dependent on me. And it's like, every time I went over and I made more money than the year I did before, I'm like, all right, well, you know, I'm going to come home and I'm going to give myself new stuff. So I got to get everybody else new stuff. I'm going to move into a better place now. So I got to get everybody else a new place. So it, it kind of, it, it was kind of a gift and a curse at the same time. And I wish that I would have had the mind that I have now of instead of just giving people money and saying, here, you can have money, take care of yourself like that. I wish I would have did something like um, maybe set up things like, oh, you know, I'm going to start a business and have you guys work there. Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to, you know, buy property or something sooner so that that residual income from buying property could be what we, what I use to take care of my family and the basketball money could just be and the family that I hope to have with somebody forever. Yeah, right. and and I think Sony, I mean, I think we kind of fall in that same situation, right? You know, like 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 NFL guys, NBA guys, because you want to you want to help out so much, and now you, now you got it, and then you come like, dang, you you give it all away, and now now you got a dollar. Yeah, that's happened a few times so far. Where it's like, oh man, I I gave out too much, and then I was on pins and needles trying to get to my next deal. Like, oh man, I gotta do like it got to a point where I was working one summer I came home and I had to work. Luckily it was in the gym. So it was like it was full circle. I was able to use it to work out, but I was like, I gotta get a job. I was working at this gym and they were only paying me like, you know, twelve dollars an hour or something like that. But I didn't care. It was it was still money that mm -hmm. I could keep in my pocket. So I'm like, thank God they hired me, because if not, I would have been in trouble. Man, that that's real. So, 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 kind of where we at now. So, I know you. I know when we first connected. I think it was like late last year. You were you're, you're trying to find a new team over the east. You think you were you were hurt. Yeah. So, so kind of fast forward. Kind of so how are things now? now? Well, now I'm 100, percent which is great. The injury actually was a blessing because it allowed me to start over and focus on building on things that I wasn't working on before. Like I got a whole new trainer. Me and my guy Bishop. We work out every day. But then the trainer that introduced me to Bishop, I still work with him as well as for, for performance purposes. Because me and Bishop do a lot of basketball stuff together. But uh, my guy Donnie does performance, like building muscle, stamina, strength, explosiveness, and all of that. So we working with him has actually helped me body into a much better vessel than it was even last year. Because, you know, I came from Denmark. As, as he could tell you, I had a great season in Denmark, but we didn't win like we wanted to win, which you know, it is what it is with that that happens. But a lot of the things I was doing there, if my body was where it is right now, I would have had an even more crazy season. So definitely having that hip injury was great because it allowed me to slowly rehab and rebuild, and get stronger, get faster, so on and so forth. So now... I'm definitely going to have an amazing season this year, wherever I decide to go. Luckily for me, I, I have a lot of offers now, so I can kind of sit down and talk with my family and figure out which one would be the best for me to do. But definitely um, excited about what's, what's, what's happening moving forward. Man, like, we've been talking for like about 30 minutes, whatever, and I, like, just hearing your journey, just from, like, you went from the, the, now the guy that won the box 
you know, to having a family tragedy, to getting shot at, to overcoming that, overcoming broken foot, the JUCO, the overseas, you know, and it's like it's like like a story, man, that that you can't make up, you know, and yeah. and and and, and, the, yeah. the cool, and the cool thing about it is just like you keep going, you you like I'm not finished, and that's me that knew that yeah. like that's power, that's powerful, man. Yeah, man. You know what's interesting is, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know. I almost didn't play basketball, and um, I didn't want to. So it's a very long story. So I don't drink alcohol or smoke. The reason, I never smoked anyway, but I've only had one alcoholic beverage ever in my life, and that one time shut it down for me forever having it again. I'll probably never drink again because I was in college, and I just gotten out of my first ever relationship. Me and my first girlfriend were together all through high school and into my freshman year in college. We broke up and there was this girl on campus that always used to you know, try to talk to me and stuff like that, but I wouldn't talk to her because I'm in a relationship. It was my, the night of one of my teammates' birthday. He asked me to take a shot. I said, ah, right, you know what, man? It's your birthday, you my dog, I'm gonna take a shot. Little did I know that this chick had put something in the drink. Oh man. So I drank it and then blacked out. Woke up the next day, I'm at her house. Seven months, she's pregnant. She's like, it's yours, you know, the person I've been. So I'm like, this is crazy. So, you know, had to get the blood test and stuff done just to make sure. And it turned out that it was my child. So what I, um, what ended up happening was I had to move. Once it came back that it was me, I moved her into the apartment that I had in the city. You know, taking care of her. She didn't have to work. I didn't want her to work. Since I was still trying to rehab and do all this school stuff, all I asked her to do was when I was out and I had to go to rehab and take care of my mom and stuff like that, that she watched my daughter. And then when I came back, she could relax, sleep, leave. She could do whatever she wanted. Just while I'm gone, please take care of my daughter. My daughter was six months at the time that she passed away. I don't really know the ins and outs of the situation because I wasn't there, but... From what the police told me, my daughter was in the high chair. Somehow or another, she fell out of the high chair. And yeah, on impact, that small age, any any type of uh, a fall, hard hit to the skull, it's over. So Dude. yeah, that situation hurt me to the core. But that situation is also the only reason that I'm still playing, I started playing ball professionally because I wasn't going to go overseas with her. Man, I don't even know what to say with that one. Like, he goes from getting drugged to having a child and then the child passes away. Man, you're an inspiration, man. Like, I appreciate that, man. I definitely try to be. Because, like, there's some things that m- most people won't bounce back from. You know, like, and there's so many things yeah. that we, 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 don't, we don't have the blueprint to how to bounce back from. Uh, like 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 when life hits us. So, what keeps you going? Like, what keeps you trusting the process and trusting the faith? Uh, the memory of her, my brother, my mom. You know, it's really those those three people. And my grandmother. Like, if I could tell you all of the stuff that my grandmother and my mother have been through in their lives, and then put that on top of everything that I've been through with mine, it's like at this point. You gotta, you gotta keep pushing. Like we, we had so many things happen, so many obstacles come up that we push through to get over. It's like, why stop now? This is the easiest one. You know, being sitting around and continuing to work out, 
so that I can continue to be a pro. Easy. That's easy stuff. You know, getting shot is different. Losing a child is, is, is that, that's the tough stuff. So I'm like, if I can deal with that and get over that, then continuing to push through this, that's easy. I think for anyone listening that, like, hopefully when they hear your story, man, they, they can just know that you can always find light in the darkness. Absolutely. You know, you can always find find something or somebody's memory to keep going when the time is dark. That's gonna be like be like be like your guide, your guidance, right? So for you, you you have your brother, your your daughter. They're like they're almost like like a guardian angel right now. You know, saying saying Brandon, keep going. We got you. So man, so last question for you. I'll, I'll let you go. But so where are you at? Social media wise, we we're we gonna fo- kinda follow you at. My, my Instagram is B Hill underscore the number three. Cause that's my favorite number. Okay. My favorite basketball player is AI. So AI. I had to follow I had to follow yeah. the footsteps. My uh Facebook is Brandon Hill. LinkedIn is Brandon Hill. My name I know my name is really common. Brandon Hill is probably one of the most common names you can have. But, you know, I, I hope that by the time I'm finished with my career, that when you type in Brandon Hill, my name is one of the first names that come up. So I, that's that's another thing that, that drives me. That I want to be able to leave a, a, a footprint. Nobody in our entire like nobody in our entire family has ever had that drive to keep pushing to accomplish something like this. They've had, you know, I, I, I want to keep living drive. They've had, I'm going to keep doing what I got to do to take care of the family. But I think I'm the only person that had a dream of something that they wanted to do and then continue to push through to make it to that level that they dreamed of. And I'm hoping that I can inspire the next generation of my family to do the same. So that, that's that's another thing. I think I think I think you're gonna fire more than more than more than just your family when they hear their, hear your story. Like you're gonna fire kids that 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 don't even know you, or kids you probably probably never meet. They're gonna hear your story and just and because there's probably a lot of kids in in Queens that and the same same boat you're in, same boat you were in. You know, right? Mom mom taking care of business. We're trying to help help her out, and they're gonna they're gonna hear Brandon Hill's story and say, Yo, Brandon Hill made it out of this. And I definitely hope that I could I can continue to do that because you know after after everything I've been through, man, one thing that I wish that I had when I was younger is somebody that had been through some of the stuff I've been through. At least just could have gave me a blueprint of what I needed to do to get where I'm at today. And I didn't have nobody like that because nobody around me was doing any of that type of stuff. Everybody was involved in the streets, so it was like I kind of had to go through my own trials and tribulations to get there. And, you know, luckily for me, I was able to do it and, and you know, do it at the level that I am now and hopefully keep going and doing that a little bit longer. Man, I'm grateful that, that we connected because that's one reason why I started Nine Point. You know, I wanted to kind of hearing athletes like you share your story. You're, you're giving the blueprint, man. So, hey, man, I wish you nothing but success this next season, man. I and like, just keep going, cause dude, like, the world needs to hear your story, and and it, and it's and it just gonna start it. Yeah, I, I definitely, definitely appreciate that, man. I'm I'm glad we were able to connect also because, you know, everything that you're doing over there with with Nonpoint, it's inspiring to me because I've read so many different stories that and heard so many different stories of people that you had. And it's like, it's a lot of stuff that I can relate to from top to bottom. 
that people are saying. And I'm like, man, this is so dope. Hey, definitely, man. Enjoy, enjoy your time with, with your boy from Denmark and enjoy your night. Yes, sir. You too, man. Thank you so much again. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Yo, thanks for listening to this episode of the Nine Point Started With A Dream podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please comment, share, leave a review. We would love to hear your thoughts. You can find more athlete-driven content at ninepoint.com. Till the next episode, you're only one opportunity away. Peace.